Welcome in, welcome in to another episode of Farzcast. My name is Farzine Vesugian. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you guys enjoyed the draft last week. Pretty entertaining draft, and if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you're obviously feeling pretty damn good about the outcome of that draft. I have some thoughts on the draft. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about my Kansas City Chiefs, what they did. Also, another team that I felt like had a really, really good draft. And also, just the draft in general, just kind of my thoughts uh, with everything uh, that happened uh, in Vegas, because Kansas City is going to be next. Uh, so whoever is uh, going to be on the clock next, which we don't know for now, they uh, are going to be draft making that draft pick in uh, Kansas City. So very excited for that. In fact, the Chiefs have already talked about next year's draft, so going to get into that a little bit. Uh the NFL made some news this week in the last seven days, both at the draft, announcing uh, their first prime, game on Amazon Prime, which is going to include the Chiefs and the Chargers. That's going to kick off Thursday night football coverage on Amazon Prime, exclusively on Prime. And when the NFL announced their international schedule, for 2022, one of the games they announced is going to be exclusively on ESPN+. And there are a lot of people who are not happy about that. So I want to get into that as well. Ryan Tannehill made some uh, controversial comments, let's just say. That has certainly created an uproar. A lot of people are talking about that. And I also wanted to talk a little bit of uh, UFC 274 this weekend. That is going to be a stacked Car. I mean, it is a stack card. I, 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 it's going to be a great event this weekend. I'm very excited about the UFC pay-per-view on Saturday, so I wanted to chat about that a little bit before signing off. You guys know the social media, facebook.com slash farzivasugian, at farzine21 on Twitter. Real quick note, uh, Facebook just sent out an announcement Wednesday night. They are no longer doing it. It's weird. They actually sent it really late at night. Uh, I'm not really sure why or maybe... Some people got the email at different times. I don't know. But uh, Facebook sent a memo to those who run a page like like I do uh, at facebook.com slash Vesugian. They are no longer going to support podcasts on Facebook. So not what I agree with, but it's really not my choice. Perhaps Elon Musk could uh, make a nice purchase and do something about it. I don't know. Uh, but nonetheless... Uh, if you are one of those who listen to the podcast through Facebook, unfortunately, that feature is going away pretty soon, uh, in a month, less than a month, first week of June, that is when it's happening. So, uh, hey, there's always Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever, uh, basically anywhere you, uh, you can listen to a podcast. So make sure you check out the podcast on there. If you guys haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast and share the links with your friends. We'll get into the podcast, all these topics in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping worldwide when you use the promo code FARZINE20 when you check out at manscaped.com. And I'll tell you what, gentlemen, get yourself some Manscaped. And ladies, help out the favorite guy in your life, whether it's your father, your significant other, your brother, whoever. Here's what makes Manscaped the best. The biggest thing they consider is below-the-belt grooming accidents. It happens. It happens, dudes. It, 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 it just does. But with Manscaped ceramic blades from SkinSafe Technology, it reduces below-the-belt below the grooming accidents 
And that is obviously a big selling point for men out there. I personally love the Lawnmower 4.0. In fact, their limited edition of the Purple Testicular Cancer Society Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is nearly sold out. So if you uh, really want to get uh, one of those uh, limited edition Lawnmower 4.0 tools, go ahead and do so real soon because they announced they are selling out of those. They also have the Weed Whacker as well as the Crop Shaver. Now, if you don't want just those tools alone, well, they come in different sets, such as the Performance Package, which features both the Lawnmower 4.0 and the Weed Whacker. There's also the Perfect Package 4.0, which features the Lawnmower 4.0. And there's also the Ultra Smooth Package, which features the Crop Shaver. Go to manscaped.com and get what you want. But before you pay, use the promo code FARZINE20 for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Yes, that's 20% off and free shipping worldwide with the promo code FARZINE20 at checkout at manscaped.com. Get the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, let's get into the NFL draft because there's a lot I want to get into here. The Kansas City Chiefs, I, I mean, I, I, I'm absolutely in love with their draft. What is there to not like about Kansas City's draft? Because to me, coming into this draft, and I said this on the live stream last week, the Chiefs needed a lot of help on defense. A lot of help. And guess what? They went out there and got a lot of help on defense. Uh, they came away with 10 draft picks, entered the draft with 12 picks, exited with 12, seven on defense, three on offense. And I'll tell you what, man, five defensive backs on the team, five of them. So if you look at what the Chiefs did in this draft and what they're trying to do moving forward. This is a team to me. Like, yeah, sure, they lost Tyreek Hill. That's gonna hurt. But they're finding ways around it. I, I think, you know, you'll see some growing pains with the Chiefs moving forward because let's be honest, when you have so many new faces, especially on defense, you're gonna see. Some somewhat of a learning curve there. A lot of people thought that was going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. I sure as hell did. We didn't see it that way. Now, you're not always going to be that fortunate. And I think with Kansas City, you look at what they did getting Trent McDuffie. Uh, you're out there getting Brian Cook, safety. Uh, McDuffie, of course, a quarterback. Another cornerback they got, Joshua Williams. Uh, got another cornerback in Nazia Johnson. Uh, I, I mean, you look at the secondary and everything they did, they're out there trying to win now. I forgot Jalen Watson, by the way, another uh, quarterback who they drafted uh, in the seventh round. I mean, Kansas City, now, again, all of these guys, the Chiefs had seven, or excuse me, three seventh-round picks. They had four originally, but traded some of them. Uh, obviously traded uh, with the Patriots multiple times. But I think with the Chiefs, you got to understand something. This is a football team that is not rebuilding, they're reloading. Teams like the Jets, the Lions, those are teams that are rebuilding. When you're reloading, you're obviously in contention to win a, a championship, which that bill fits the Chiefs perfectly, but you got to do some things to, to improve, obviously. I mean, Kansas City was not perfect last year. We saw that. We saw how things went in the postseason. 
especially in that AFC Championship game. They got to find ways to fix all of that shit. And they did that in this draft. I think they got a lot. And by the way, I'm a huge fan of George Karloff. This That was one of my uh, picks. Uh, I was originally expecting them to go with Karloff this at 29, but uh, they ended up getting him at 30. Uh, I was a little concerned he would not be available that late, but uh, he dropped a bit, and Kansas City was able to snag him late in the first round. They also got Trent McDuffie, and that also forced the Buffalo Bills to make a move for a cornerback. Uh, a couple of picks later, they traded up to get a cornerback. And by the way, here's one thing, because I've seen a few people say, oh, well, the Chiefs shouldn't have done this. They they could have easily got McDuffie at number 29 instead of trading up for him. How the hell do you know that? Listen, I, I'm a, I'm an, I don't want to be that guy who says, oh, you can't, uh, you can't comment on these things because you've never played or you've never coached or you've never been a GM. I think that's so fucking stupid when people say that. I've had people, you know, coaches and athletes say that to me, which I think is dumb. Just because I've never played or coached or scouted, it doesn't mean I don't know uh, what I'm talking about. It doesn't mean fan- fans can still talk about these things and maybe disagree. But claiming that you knew McDuffie would still be available at 29, how the hell do you know that? See, a lot of people thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be available into the 20s in the first round in the 2017 NFL Draft. They also thought the same thing with Deshaun Watson. If you looked at a lot of mock drafts back then, well, they traded up to get Patrick Mahomes number 10, and the Texans also traded up to get Deshaun Watson at number 12. Now, I know Deshaun Watson's been inactive for a bit, but outside of that, both Watson and Mahomes have been great Mahomes has obviously won a Super Bowl. Watson's had some success. Uh, we'll see what he does in Cleveland. But, you know, a lot of people were criticizing the two teams, especially the Chiefs, for picking uh, Watson over Mahomes when Mahomes could have been available later on. But it's like, how the hell do you know? Listen, I don't care if you are in the basement with a sweet man cave like mine watching the draft or if you're Stephen A. Smith. Don't claim like you know who's going to be available at what time. And here's the other thing, too. I think we forget this a lot. And I don't care if you're Mel Kuyper or uh, Matt Miller, who uh, is with ESPN for the longest time, was with Bleacher Report. Listen, I don't care if you're the best scout that works in the media. Dan Shanko, another great friend of mine, too, who has been on this podcast many times. I've had a great relationship with him over the years. Um, Here's my thing. Those who are former NFL scouts now working in the media – what what fans in the media think are a need, maybe the teams don't feel the same exact way. People forget this a lot. People think that just because they feel like wide receiver might be a need, well, maybe the team doesn't feel that way. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not talking about the Chiefs specifically. I'm just talking in general. See, people think this way all the time. They're surprised certain teams didn't go after a certain uh, position group, but maybe, we, maybe they didn't feel good about anyone among those position groups, or maybe they don't feel like that's an area where they really need to draft a player. And if they do trade up to get someone, well, listen, teams are talking constantly all the time. So when you see a a team trade up, well, it's probably because they found out there are other teams out there eyeing the same player they really want. So the Chiefs obviously had an eye on Trent McDuffie for quite some time. And by the way, I know Brett Veach did a uh, press conference about, what, six days before the draft? Yeah, he did one on, on the Friday before the draft. And, 
you know, I, I listened to it, but but I didn't really get any takeaways from it. Because here's the thing. Is Brett Veach really going to show his cards? Is he really going to reveal his hand to teams? Oh, yeah, well, we're definitely, you know, keeping an eye on this guy, uh, Trent McDuffie, in the draft. We think he's going to be really good. So, we're, yeah, we're going to keep an eye. No, of course he's not going to say that. So, a lot of times when general managers do press conferences and talk about their approach to the draft, I'm not expecting a lot of it. Listen, they might say, hey, look, I mean, obviously we need some help in certain places, but they're obviously not going to go into detail. Now, other people are not dumb. They can read between the lines and fill in the blank and say, okay, look, this is what he's referring to here because the Chiefs struggled in position groups X, Y, and Z. So obviously the Chiefs knew someone else wanted Trent McDuffie, and this is a player they really wanted. They could not, listen, there are certain players maybe they could be okay with not having. This was probably one of them they would not be okay with. So they traded up to get Trent McDuffie, and they're thrilled about it. And listen, all 32 teams are are happy about their draft. You're never going to see a team or hear a team say, well, we're not happy about who we got. We didn't stick to our board. Yeah, they're all going to say that they're happy about it, Uh, whether they really are or not. Um, I'm happy with the day one uh, picks. Uh, I'm not too big of a fan of the criticism around it. Here's the thing. A lot of people this weekend said they're done criticizing Brett Veach, which I I say, hey, it's about damn time, but I also think it's a bit old. It's long overdue. Listen, let me say something about Brett Veach because I think people forget about this a lot. Um, Listen, does he deserve credit for the Mahomes pick? Yeah, of course. By the way, I don't know why so many Chiefs fans think they need to pick and choose. I mean, this is not a, a Scantron test. This is not a multiple choice test here. Both John Dorsey and Brett Veach, in my eyes, deserve credit for Patrick Mahomes. Brett Veach was the driving force and kept an eye on Mahomes for a very long time. And John Dorsey was the general manager at the time. He pulled the trigger, made the trade. uh, And had he not done that, the Chiefs would probably not have had Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I, I think both GMs get credit for that. But after that, how many first round picks did Brett Veach have? Prior to the 2022 NFL draft, he only had one, and that was Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which was the 32nd pick. And by the way, I mentioned this um, on the live stream and also on last week's podcast. By the way, if you haven't uh, done so already, check out the podcast with Joe Valerio. It is a very long podcast, but it is well worth it. And I got to appreciate my friends, Melody McAllister and Zach Stegna joining me. I mean, they're both big fans of Joe. Uh, and if you listen to the podcast, you can understand why. I mean, you could talk to that guy for hours. Uh, a lot of great topics, a lot of great conversations. A lot of you guys uh, provide a lot of positive feedback, said this is one of the best conversations you guys have ever heard on this podcast or on any podcast. So I really appreciate those who um, who listened to that and uh, provided some of that uh, feedback and gave the uh, positive words. And definitely a uh, big thanks to Joe. So forgot to mention that at the beginning of the podcast. But uh, I mentioned last week that... When a team is picking low, like the Chiefs had the 29th and the 30th pick, that's viewed as a low first-round pick, whereas the number 34th pick or the 35th pick is viewed as a almost like a first-round pick. 
So when you're picking late in the first round, it's viewed like a almost like a second round picker. And if you're picking high in the second round, it's viewed like a almost like a first round pick. And I get it. Um, you can get a player for a little bit cheaper in the uh, in the second round, where uh, but you also don't have the luxury of that fifth year option. Also, um, but that's you know not the biggest deal in the world. Uh, at the end of the day, you just want to get the best players available, the players you want. The thing, my point is, Brett Veach's only first-round pick was the last pick in the first round getting Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And look, I, I've been critical of Clyde, but I think some people have been way more critical of him than I have. Listen, the guy's average has been pretty damn good during his time with the Chiefs. Availability, yeah, that is that is a thing. I know he had that big fuck-up against Baltimore with that fumble. Listen, man, Patrick Mahomes has had... I mean, the guy turned the ball over in the AFC Championship game uh, on the final offensive play the Chiefs had. So, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not the first and only person in the world in Chiefs history to to have that massive screw-up. It happens. Um, The guy was top 10 in the NFL in rushing before his injury. And his rookie year, at one point, he was second in the NFL in rushing yards. That's That's not easy to do. When you're on a team that has Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, I know Tyreek Hill's no longer on the team, but my point is, you know, you're a rookie running back, a young running back, and you're already part of a very crowded offense. It's not easy to get involved in an offense like this in a big manner. So for him to do it the way he's done it, and listen, I know Jarek McKinnon, I know he made some some big impact plays in the postseason, and I'm kind of surprised the Chiefs did not bring him back. Uh, but they went a, a, and got a running back in Isaiah Pacheo Pakiko. Pe- I've heard a lot of different pronunciations with this name. So uh, I'm sure I fucked that one up. I apologize. But you guys know who I'm talking about if you follow the Chiefs staff closely. Uh, Pacheco, I've heard that as well. Uh, I, I'm sure um, the Chiefs will come out with uh, their own pronunciation. The. Uh, the uh, Chiefs insiders within the team, they'll uh, obviously uh, pronounce his name and we'll uh, figure it out from there or we'll hear it in one of the preseason broadcasts. But my point is this. Brett Veach has never had a first-round pick, okay? Except for Clyde edwards alaire which was a late first-round pick, which is always viewed kind of more negative uh, compared to a high second-round pick. Well, last year, without a first-round pick, he scored high. Found some great bright-eyed talent in Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. And I think even Noah Gray maybe ha- has that uh, potential to, to, do some, to do some things. In this draft, man, uh, you got McDuffie. You got Carl Loftus. You traded around a little bit, and you still got the receiver you wanted and Sky Moore. I know a lot of people wanted George Pickens, but and here's what I'll say. I actually had a, friend, uh, a discussion with a family friend of ours who uh, played in the NFL for a few years and in the USFL for a little bit, I told him this, and he immediately thanked me when I told him this. I said, look, whatever wide receiver the Chiefs did, the Chiefs could have drafted a no-name wide receiver that no one's ever heard of, and people would have been thrilled about it because he's got speed. Well, a lot of these receivers have speed, but look who's throwing the football to them. Patrick Mahomes. So it doesn't matter if it's Sky Moore, George Pickens. Chiefs fans are going to have the same level of energy for whatever wide receiver. You could just call the wide receiver X. And that wide receiver would still get a lot of praise. And people would have high expectations 
from that receiver. But it's not because of the receiver. It's because of the offense. And don't get me wrong. The receiver obviously has to do their own thing. Uh, they've got to have the right skill set. But look, people forget. People did this with McCole Hardman a few years ago. When McCole Hardman got drafted in fear of Tyreek Hill's uh, uncertainty at the time, a lot of people said, well, this guy's pretty much Tyreek Hill. Same size, same speed. I mean, this guy's capable of, of doing big things on an offense. And look, and I'm still, you know, as hard as it is, I'm probably one of the very few McCole Hardman believers out there. He absolutely needs to step up. He's got the opportunity to do so because a lot of wide receivers are gone. A lot of new wide receivers are uh, on the team. Demarcus Robinson's gone. Tyree Kill's gone. Byron Pringle's gone. So, uh, yeah, he's got the opportunity to step up. So, I think any wide receiver could have received the same praise that Sky Moore is receiving. Uh, Brian Cook, I think he's going to be very interesting uh, to to see how he does uh, as a part of the secondary. Chiefs got a couple of veteran free agents out there, uh, both the safety positions, also uh, getting uh, Lonnie Johnson from uh, from Houston Texans reuniting with uh, with Reed in the secondary. Leo Chanel is a very interesting one because he's going to be part of a very young linebacking corp with Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. And a lot of people have some uh, high expectations from him. Darian Kennard, uh, uh, he was drafted as a guard but has played some right tackle. I mentioned the Chiefs need a right tackle. I think it'd be a good idea to push Lucas Niang a little bit. I mentioned that during the live stream last week. And by the way, thanks to all of those who joined on the live stream. The uh, the interactions uh, on the live stream and all the posts the last seven days because of the draft has been absolutely insane. So a big shout out to all of you guys who have been a part of that. So a big thanks to all of you uh, for uh, stepping up uh, the last seven days on the Facebook page. A lot of people are excited about Dar- uh, Darian Kennard to see uh, what he could do uh, as a depth player. And uh, if, God forbid, someone gets hurt. He's got an opportunity to shine for sure. And I think uh, Pacheo, Pakiko, however however you say his name, he's got some interesting speed. I think that's your Jarek McKinnon replacement. And as a matter of fact, I think this guy could be your uh, your return guy on special teams. So the Chiefs got a lot of uh, interesting players in this draft. I'm curious to see how they all pan out. Uh, I'm really excited for the season. I'm really excited for, uh, for the offseason practices. I'm normally not into these... OTAs and training camps. And listen, I'm going to I'm gonna keep a level head. Uh, look, I know what the Chiefs are going to do, and every team does this. You know, you're going to have a, a young running back like Pacheco, Pequeo, or um, Sky Moore. You know, someone's going to make a really nifty play on offense or special teams. And the Chiefs are going to put it out there on their social media for people to see and because it's obviously going to go viral and the local media is going to share it, all that good stuff. Um, to me, man, I'm not too crazy about these plays that happen in the um, in the uh, offseason practices because you're not going up against the, the opposing defense. Well, I should say opposing defense, your own defense. They're not going 100%. They're not hitting you hard. There's no hitting at all, in fact, in OTAs. And in training camp, yeah, there's some more physical contact, but you're still not going to hit your own teammate as hard as you can because you don't want to injure your own teammate. Um, so, so it's one of those situations there where the the thing for me is I want to see how these players progress in these offseason practices. And listen, Brett Veach, I mentioned this earlier, never had a first-round pick before except for CEH, and that was the final pick of the first round. Now he had a pair of first-round picks, a pair of second-round picks, 
This guy was able to go out there and do some things in the draft and be able to show what he's been able to do. Uh, he hasn't been able to really have an eyebrow-raising type of draft because he's never he has he's hardly had first-round draft picks. They traded one for Frank Clark. They traded another for Orlando Brown. So the Chiefs haven't really been that team that have been too involved with the draft. Even last year's draft, you know, th there wasn't much to say about the Chiefs because they didn't have a first-round pick. Obviously, there's a lot to say now, knowing what we know and assuming. I mean, at this point, the trajectory is high. There are a lot of high expectations from uh, the players the Chiefs drafted last year, despite not having a first-round pick. But you look at everything the Chiefs have done up to this point, and look, they obviously want to right the wrong with what happened in the AFC Championship game. So, I'm excited about this uh, upcoming uh, season for the Chiefs. Uh, a lot of young guys, but I think they're under some good guidance, some good leadership. That is very key. I know the Chiefs had a very similar youth movement in 2007. Well, the problem was you didn't have the right coaching staff in place, and you definitely ha you hardly had any veteran leadership. I mean, who were your veteran leaders? You had Tony Gonzalez, you had Jason Dunn, you had Damon Heward. I mean, it, it, Patrick Sertan, Ty Law. I mean, we're, we're Donnie Edwards. And listen, those guys, a lot of them had great careers, but at some point it's like you don't really have much veteran leadership here on this team. Whereas with this team, you want to look at veteran leadership? Well, there, I mean, there's a lot across the board. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Juju Smith-Schuster. Maybe he's not a veteran leader on this team specifically. He's a, he's a newcomer, obviously, but he's still been around the block for a bit. Orlando Brown, same thing about him. Chris Jones, he's been around for a while. So, you've got some notable names across the board on both sides of the football. Uh, but you got a lot of new faces too. And listen, you've got Andy Reid and his staff, okay? Uh, you've got Eric Bieniemy coming coming back. You have Matt Nagy returning to Kansas City after, uh, you know, not a failed experiment in Chicago. So... This is, to me, a good situation for the Chiefs to be in. They got a lot of young talent, but I think they've got the leadership, both with personnel and with coaching, to uh, to lead these guys. I'm very excited about the Chiefs uh, draft. I really am. And I'm excited to see how it all pans out in 2022. Another team I thought had a really good draft, the New York Jets. Boy, I mean, you talk about whatever they wanted, they got Sauce Gardner with the number four pick. They got the cornerback they wanted. They got the wide receiver they wanted in Garrett Wilson. And Jermaine Johnson, to a lot of people's surprise, he dropped quite a bit in this draft. He was available with the 26th pick where the Jets made a surprising move. So the Jets had two picks in the top 10. And they got another first-round pick. Uh, also uh, drafted in the second round and the third round and had a pair of fourth-round picks. Let me just say this. A lot of people are going to say, hey, well, it's the Jets. I think at some point you got to you gotta see these guys step up. I know um, I know the Jets have been struggling for quite some time, but listen, uh, they got a lot of young players in this draft. Uh, obviously, they've got some players. Last year, they drafted Zach Wilson, uh, who they're uh, relying on. Uh, I mean, they had two first-round picks last year, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, and they also had... Yeah, they had, they had a pair of first-round picks last year. They also had a high second-round pick uh, getting Elijah Moore. Listen, the the Jets have a lot of young players, and I'm not too familiar with the Jets, but uh, just a quick look at their uh, recent draft history, both this year and last year. Lots of young talent uh, in these early picks. 
well, it's time for these guys to come together. And I'm a huge fan of Robert Sala. I've been a big fan of him ever since he was with the 49ers. Uh, I loved his tenacity on defense. I mean, this is a guy who I would love as a defensive coordinator, but he obviously uh, was ready to step up in the uh, in the coaching ranks, and rightfully so. I mean, he's out there making uh, making the big bucks, and I think he, this is his time really to shine. Um, I think this is a make-or-break year for Robert Sala. This is the year where you have to have a really good season. Because I'll tell you what, I think a lot of people in New York are fed up and they're getting impatient. And this is now your time to prove that you had a great draft uh, by going out there and uh, delivering on the gridiron. Uh, one other draft note, uh, actually a couple draft notes. Uh, Vegas, you guys know my emotional attachment to Vegas. I love the city. I, I go there about three to four times a year when there's no pandemic. Uh, I'll be going back to the, this summer, so I'm very excited to go back. Uh, listen. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure it was a fun experience, but given the hype and the expectations, this was a failed experiment for Vegas, which is disappointing because I love the city, regardless who the NFL team is there over there. But what happened to the whole fountain show? And I'll, I, I haven't really read into it, so I don't know uh, if this has even been talked about. They were supposed to come through the Bellagio Fountain. They built a stage. NFL Network had their broadcast booth, their table in front of the fountains. Probably because that was supposed to be the big spectacular show there. Uh, but that was not the case. So I don't really know what happened. They, I mean, they built a stage for it. They they, they spent all this money. They, they hired crew workers to get in the water and put this all together all for fucking nothing. Like, that's a big waste of money there. And there was a lot of hype behind all this. You know, they were going to put the player on the boat and put him, bring him out to the stage. I, look, I don't really know. Listen, I don't really read much about this going into draft night. So when Roger Goodell was announcing the picks in that big parking lot between, let me pull up the map of Vegas in front of me. I, I know where the draft was specifically. It was, you could see the big Ferris wheel. That is the link. Um... If you're into sightseeing, that kind of thing, I do recommend that, by the way. Uh, really great view of the uh, of the city. But um, so it's basically between the Venetian, which is where I usually stay, and Flamingo Road, which is the biggest intersection close to the High Roller. Uh, and I guess that's that big parking lot right there is where the draft is. So on Las Vegas Boulevard or the Strip, which is where the Bellagio Fountains are, the Strip was even closed off. And basically what they were, I guess what they were going to do was have the player go through the fountains and all that good stuff and then quickly drive them to Flamingo Road where the draft site was, where Roger Goodell was, so they can shake hands, get their jersey, all that good stuff. That didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. So I don't really know what was the point of the of the stage. I don't know what was the point of closing that part of Las Vegas Boulevard and Flamingo Road. Um... Now, I'll tell you what, man, As a, for someone who's been to Vegas so many times, I'll tell you what, cab drivers certainly would love to use that street right there uh, to take people around uh, for those who are not at the draft. So that was certainly a failed experiment in my eyes uh, for Vegas, which, again, is disappointing because um, I love Vegas. Uh, if anyone knows why they didn't do that, and listen, I've had a really crazy week. Uh, so I haven't had a chance to really uh, dive into this. But if anyone knows why or if they have an article to it, please send that to me. 
either just send me on Facebook or Twitter because I'm really curious to know what happened with all of that. Uh, so, yeah. One other note uh, with Vegas. I mentioned that, you know, I'm sure the being there was fun. Here's something that was kind of a surprise to me. I don't know how often this has been done in past drafts, but I was on Facebook after the first. I'll be honest, I couldn't sleep because I was excited about the Chiefs' first-round picks. And so I just opened up Facebook to interact with you guys a little bit, and I got a notification from the NFL that they were streaming live on their Facebook page. They were actually streaming a concert from where the NFL draft was at. Uh, Weezer was performing after the first round, after day one, and after day two, Ice Cube was performing at the draft. So here's my point. It's kind of like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is no longer just a big game. With Media Day and all the stories surrounding it, the, the, the amount of media put into all of that leading into the big game for the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl the entire week is a massive spectacle. Because you look at Radio Row and all the celebrities that show up and do a bunch of interviews uh, for all these radio stations who are there, well, the draft is kind of turning into something similar where it's turning into a huge spectacle. It's no longer, hey, we're just picking players. Joe Valerio, uh, who was on the podcast last week, as I mentioned, if you guys haven't, check it out. He mentioned, you know, he was listening on the radio and, and they weren't even sure at the time when he got the phone call what round it was when he was getting picked. Now the entire thing is broadcasted live. So the, the this whole thing with the draft, it, I mean, they obviously – you have the actual draft, but then there is some activity before and after the draft as well. Even during the draft, uh, Tony Gonzalez came out and uh, with a Chiefs fan and a Chargers fan, and they announced the uh, new partnership with Prime and announced the first game on Prime, or the, the first NFL game of the 2022 season was uh, revealed, uh, which was cool, knowing that the Chiefs were a part of that. So uh, the reason I'm, I'm bringing all this up is because the Chiefs, or Kansas City, I should say, is hosting the draft next year. That is going to be at Union Station. So basically where the Chiefs and the Royals had their, uh, not the parade part, but the rally, the uh, post-parade rally uh, at the end. Uh, so basically where that big field is between um, the Tower and Union Station. I guess that, that's where all the fans are expected to be. And I guess that big stage in front of Union Station that they built for the parade uh, celebrations uh, that is where Roger Goodell, I guess, is going to go and make his pick and all that good stuff. And I guess the players are going to be, I guess, the, the actual, the inside of Union Station, I guess, is going to be the green room. I don't know. That part I'm speculating. But it's for sure going to be in that area. So I don't know. what What is the city going to do? Uh, I mean, I, I would assume Tech 9 is an obvious choice for a post-draft concert. Melissa, Melissa Elthridge? who's done the National Anthem a few times at GEHA Field. She could be a candidate as well. I know David Cook, a, a Casey guy as well. So you've got some options there. I really hope Kansas City learns from what Vegas did. I think the whole thing with Vegas is, look, they were trying to overdo it because they're Vegas. Um, But maybe they bit off more than they could chew. That happens. That happens sometimes. Uh, but look, it's the NFL. I mean, they're they're a multi-billion dollar corporation, so Crimea River. Uh, speaking of Crimea River, they're uh, they're upset. The NFL is because teams were. If you watch the ESPN broadcast of the draft, uh, Greeny was saying multiple times, "Hey, the, these these drafts are are coming in 
Fast and Furious. They're coming in quickly. Um, it was one of the quicker drafts I can recall. I mean, it, it's not like teams were even waiting around anymore. They were ready to go right away. And I guess one example, this is from Sports Illustrated. I guess the NFL was really upset at the Detroit Lions, who had the number two pick. Because as soon as the Jaguars announced their pick, the Lions had their pick down on their draft card and turned in. I mean, first of all, it's the it's the Lions with the number two pick. They should have two names in mind. Uh, and they should have a favorite ready in case Jacksonville makes some out-of-bound selection. Uh, but when you have the number two pick, you obviously need to have two names in mind. And whoever does not get picked, you go with that. I mean, that's the expectation that, you know, the team before you with the number one pick is going to pick the other guy, right? I mean, you're you're the number two team in the draft. So I, I don't know why you expect them to milk out the entire clock. I remember um, several years ago, they bragged about having the longest first round draft ever at six or seven hours. Like, why is that a good thing? It's not, especially for people on the East Coast. The draft started at 8 o'clock Eastern time. I don't know if I would like that if I was living in New York, the Carolinas, Florida, wherever. I, I, I certainly would not uh, would not want that. Um, but yeah, I guess they were really upset because teams were turning in their cards pretty quickly. And here's the other thing. Some fans were complaining because they get notifications and the draft tracker on ESPN, in fact... Uh, and also on Bleacher Report, they had the picks down before Roger Goodell could announce it. So that was a big complaint uh, from a lot of fans. Uh, In fact, if you guys remember the Chiefs, when they traded with the Patriots, the Patriots had the 29th pick. Well, here's what happened. The Patriots on the uh, Chiron on ESPN and NFL Network, they wrote that the pick is in, but they cut to a commercial break. Well, Word got out who the Patriots were drafting. So it was no, if you're on Twitter and Facebook, it was no mystery. Well, because the Patriots name got leaked, the Chiefs got to work and they made the uh, pick for Carl Loftus and that got out there before the Patriots could even announce their pick. Or Roger Goodell, Goodell, I should say, could announce their pick. So here's the thing. Number one, if if you don't, want this to happen, I guess you got to hope that people stop giving a shit about your product, which listen, if you're the NFL, you do not want that. The NFL, nothing beats the NFL. I don't care what reason you have to want to boycott the NFL. Even when people were outraged, then nothing was beating the NFL. People always like to talk about how their ratings went down. Okay. How many advertisers did they lose? How much money did the players lose? the ratings were down great. What was beat? What other show was beating them in the ratings? Nothing. So people always want to complain about the NFL and all these things. Listen, if you're the NFL and you don't want this to happen, people give a shit. Uh, let me, uh, criticize, uh, Dana white for a moment, uh, of the, of the UFC because the UFC has grown tremendously over the past seven, to eight years. Uh, if you guys remember, back in 2016, UFC 199, a spectacular event. Dominic Cruz retained uh, against a rivalry of his um, in the trilogy against Uriah Faber. 
and Michael Bisping pulled off a massive upset against uh, a rival of his in a rematch against Luke Rockhold to become the new middleweight champion. Well, that night, unfortunately, the spotlight was taken away from Michael Bisping, uh, and it was on the whole Ariel Helwani situation. So if you guys don't know what happened, Dana White was really upset because that night, the UFC had a kind of a, a special video package to... Uh, uh, announced two big announcements. One was Brock Lesnar coming to UFC 200, and the other was the rematch between Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor at UFC 202. Both uh, took place later that year. And Ariel Helwani, who's a fantastic journalist, he's got great resources in the MMA community, he got word on both of those stories. He tried to verify it with the UFC directly, and the UFC was begging him not to post it. And he didn't know why. Listen, it's it's not Ariel's job to let a video package be the source of his. It was kind of like the whole Adam Schefter thing. Like, you know, he had enough information to announce the Andrew Luck retirement uh, news. And if he didn't do it, someone else was going to do it. And he would have to answer for it. I know people have criticized Schefter lately. But it, when you have news on something, you got to say it. You got to announce it. Um, same thing for the Ariel Helwani deal. He had, he had information and in a world where fake news is brought up all the time, he, it was all accurate. He had the sources, he verified it with multiple people and he went with it and he was right. It's not like he spread false information. Well, unfortunately, Dana White was not happy about that. And he actually kicked Ariel Helwani out of UFC 199 and and ended up having to give back his credential because that led to a lot of backlash for the UFC. Here's my point. If you do not want people to talk about your product in this way, in other words, if you don't want these announcements to be out there, then if you're Dana White, you got to start hoping that people stop giving a shit about the UFC, which obviously you don't want. So the same situation here with the NFL, if you don't want these draft picks to be leaked on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat, whatever else is out there, well then listen, you better start hoping that your product has less and less attention. Obviously with the NFL being the king of the ratings as they've been labeled for a long time, you obviously don't want that. So if you're the NFL, suck it up. If this is the biggest problem you are facing, if this is the biggest issue you're crying about, I'd say you're dealing with first world problems here. I mean, these are problems the NHL would beg for. You know how much the NHL would love to have those kinds of issues? The NHL has to, I mean, the NHL was damn near close to not having a season in 2021 because of certain COVID restrictions. Uh, I mean, the NHL relies on a lot of fan interest in order to stay alive. So for the NFL to cry about something like this, I cry me a fucking river. I mean, come on, that's the biggest issue you're you're dealing with. And by the way, if you don't want, if you don't want the draft to be that be over with that quickly, well then go get Ed Mariano or. Mariana Aro, however the hell you say his name, the clown from the Vikings who was telling his life story for a minute and a half 
when he was supposed to just go and simply announce the pick. Listen, I don't mind if uh, someone goes out there and does a little, hey, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 or how about them Cowboys? Like, listen, you're a former player, okay? You go out there and hype up your, uh, your fan base. There's nothing wrong with that. But to tell your goddamn life story in 90 seconds, not even finish it, talk about, you know, finding a purple blazer so you can represent purple mafia out there, um, and then the producer for the NFL draft runs over and says, Hey, shut the fuck up and make the goddamn pick. And then he, he's like joking around with it. He's like, no, I'm not going to like, dude, shut up and make the pick. Um, listen, if you're the NFL and you're not happy about how quick this draft was, I guess get at it to go come out for, uh, all your drafts announcements. I don't know. I mean, the guy was getting booed, which thank God he was because the whole thing was stupid. And uh, look, I, 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 I like having former players do this. It, it's cool. I, I loved uh, some of these uh, big fans like Dustin Poirier. Uh, he's a big fan of actually, I'll be honest. I can't even remember what, what team he was a fan of, but he was out there announcing one of the picks. Um, I can't remember the name of the, of the chiefs fan from the WWE Baron Corbin, who played at Northwest Missouri state. He made, uh, he announced one of the picks, the Miz. Uh, from the WWE and MTV's The Real World and The Challenge, he went out and announced uh, the Browns pick and had a lot of fun with it. Like, that's cool. Like, let these celebrities do that. That's awesome. Uh, the the guy who was uh, announcing the uh, Titans draft pick, he, he kind of made it funny. He's like, oh, did something happen last night that I missed? Or did anything happen with the Titans? Obviously referring to the fact that the Titans uh, traded A.J. Brown unexpectedly, uh, which was a shocker. Uh, but, you know... The whole thing with Ed, I mean, that was just dumb. But yeah, the NFL, get over it, man. Um, it's, it's not the worst problem you have. Uh, international games, a lot of Chiefs fans are shocked that they're not playing the Bucks. <laughs> you really thought that the Buccaneers would give up a home game for Brady versus Mahomes? You know you can control ticket prices for that game because that's going to be a massive home game. Ticket prices can be super high and fans will still buy it. By the way, their owner is the chairman for the NFL International Committee. Clark Hunt was uh, the previous chairman for that committee. Remember when the Chiefs played in London? They gave up a home game to play in London? Who did they play? They played the Detroit Lions, the worst team you could possibly pick. Do you not think Clark Hunt went out there and said, look, we're giving up a home game. Let's get the easiest game opponent possible. Of course, Clark Hunt had that in mind. You really think uh, the owner of the Bucks and I don't have his name in front of me. Uh, you really think the owner of the Bucks was going to go out there and say, yeah, let's go ahead and give up this marquee game, this marquee home game and have it be played in Germany. Hell no. Some fans are also complaining, saying, why are we not putting marquee games in uh, the international games? We're putting all the boring matchups. Well, yeah, we don't want home teams to give up marquee games, obviously. Why would you? Um, if you're a Chiefs fan, okay, do you want the Chiefs versus the Raiders game to be in Germany? No, you want that to be at home at GEHA Field. You want you want to be at GEHA Field to cheer on the Chiefs. You don't want one of your divisional. That's why you know I was I was a little surprised that the Chargers their home game in Mexico was against the Chiefs. It was originally supposed to be Chiefs-Rams, but we know what happened there. So all these complaints um, about 
the Chiefs not getting a home game? I mean, come on. Don't act like you're surprised. If you knew about who the chairman for the NFL International Committee was, it wouldn't be a surprise to you. And listen, if, if, if it was Clark Hunt, he obviously would not give up that game either if, if the Chiefs were the home team. They would not want that big game in a neutral uh, site, uh, a neutral playing field. No, hell no. You want that at home. Uh, as far as the international uh, series goes, one game in Munich, Germany, one game in Mexico City, and three in London. Uh, look, I'm not the biggest fan of the the international series. Some people are, some are not. Uh, you you got a lot of interest in it internationally, which is awesome. That's great. Uh, at the same time, you know, I, I hope that uh, here's what I would want. And I heard uh, Bruce Murray on Sirius XM's NFL channel. He brought this up. He thinks that with the 17 game format, they're eventually going to do eight home games, eight away games. And then every team has a neutral uh, site game internationally. So Toronto, Mexico City, London, Munich, Germany. I know um, there was some talk about uh, having a game in Beijing. So you could have. 16 games, all 32 teams are a part of it. Uh, here's my thing, and I know this is not a, not it's not an enticing one for the international fans, but I would rather the first preseason game be in August, or the first week of August, and then the second, the second week, and then for the, uh, maybe you start a little earlier, so that you can have a little bit of time for the international series. You have your third game, your third preseason game internationally, then you have a two and a half week window because you obviously, I mean, the, the travel back to and from for these international games, obviously not ideal. Listen, I don't care if, if the international fans don't find it as interesting. I don't want regular season games internationally. I understand the NFL trying to expand and all that good stuff, but listen, you don't see Manchester United bringing their best to the U.S. Now, Manchester United... They did play the Wizards at the time before uh, they rebranded to Sporting KC. They played the Wizards at Arrowhead Stadium after the uh, after the what was it the the renovations in 2010. The first game after the renovations was the Wizards versus Manchester United. Well, guess what? Manchester United put all their backups in that game in the second half. So as nice as it was having those guys come to Kansas City, uh, that wasn't a spectacular moment by all means, you know, the, those guys put it in and the Wizards. Listen, I, I, I love, I love all things Kansas city, but you can't convince me that Kansas city soccer team was the better team against Manchester United. Okay. Manchester United is one of the marquee sports teams in the world. It's up there with the Yankees, the Lakers. Okay. Th that's, that's what we're talking about here. And the Wizards beat them. I think the score was 2-1, to one, if I recall correctly. Um, but they put in all their backups. You don't see the Premier League bringing in their two marquee soccer matchups to America. They don't. They don't do that. So, why are we doing the international... And listen, I, I get there are fans out there. But I still want our regular season games to be here. Listen, I, I hope I'm wrong. I have a really bad feeling one of these days, if it, which, listen, the NFL is succeeding with the uh, inter international uh, expansion. I do have a fear that one of these days they're going to, they're going to have a Super Bowl in London. They're going to, I'm worried about that. I don't want 
our our big games, even our regular season games, international. But that's not for me to decide. Uh, I know some people share that same feeling. Some uh, some love it. So you got some uh, int- uh, different stances on that, but that's just my stance on it. Here's the other thing with the international series. One of the games, the um, the uh, Mexico City game between the Cards and 49ers, that's a Monday night football game. Uh, the rest, the three London games and the three Germany ga- and, and the Seoul Germany game, excuse me, those are all going to be Sunday morning games. So I believe 8.30 Central Time, that is when uh, when those games start. One of those games, Broncos-Jaguars on October the 30th, that's going to be exclusively on ESPN+. Now, as I mentioned earlier, they announced at the NFL Draft that the first game on Prime will be Chiefs-Chargers. Now, I have no idea if those two markets, Kansas City and L.A., for those fans there, if they'll be able to get it locally. If you remember, NFL Network was not available for every... um, Every cable provider, when they started doing Thursday night and uh, Saturday night NFL games. But if you... So so the way it works, if you don't have ESPN or NFL Network and your local team... So if you're in Chicago and the Bears are playing on NFL Network... They would they would still have it available on an alternate channel. One of the over the air... Uh, Network, so a CBS or an ABC, one of those channels. Uh, so for those who did not have ESPN, I believe you could actually watch the draft on ABC because they're they're both owned by Disney. It's just simulcast on ABC. I, I guess that's that's to my understanding. I don't know. Maybe ABC had their own coverage. Uh, don't quote me on that. I, I was watching ESPNs. Um. So now, uh, you have. One game that's going to be broadcast on ESPN Plus, and one game that's uh, yeah, the Thursday night games that are going to be broadcast on Prime. To be clear, not to be confused with the first game of the season Thursday night. That's not considered Thursday night football. That I believe is going to be on NBC, but the rest of the Thursday night games, yeah, they're going to be on Prime. So I don't know if they're going to provide an alternate channel for those markets, but a lot of people are complaining. People are already paying for Netflix and Hulu, and uh, they're paying for Paramount Plus. And now they have to subscribe to ESPN Plus and Prime if they don't want to miss an NFL game. There's already uh, the, the the words out there that Sunday Ticket is going out and away from DirecTV, and they're going to be switching over to Apple TV. So if you're an NFL fan and you do not want to miss a single game, you need to be subscribed to Prime, you need to be subscribed to ESPN Plus, and you need to subscribe to Apple TV Plus. Yeah, I know. That's um that, that you know, your uh, your favorite sport is going to now start costing you. I I don't disagree with the frustrations there. Listen, as a as a UFC fan, uh, I know the UFC still tries to utilize uh, their own streaming service, which is UFC Fight Pass. I know the UFC had a couple of cards exclusively on Fight Pass. I don't think they've done any exclusively on Fight Pass ever since they switched over to ESPN. But 90% of UFC uh, events are 
on ESPN Plus. Every once in a while, they do one on ESPN. And uh, once in a while on ABC. Yeah, I, 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 you know, your favorite sports, watching them, you're going you're gonna to have to start paying for it now. And here's my thing. I actually uh, contacted ESPN Plus, and I actually ended up getting a refund for uh, the most recent UFC uh, pay-per-view I ordered because I had a massive issue with um, with that pay-per-view. So every, my, my Wi-Fi was working just fine, okay? I'm not some Wi-Fi expert, but I know how to reboot the internet and clear the uh, all the debris and all that stuff to make the speed faster. I, and I had photos and videos just to prove to them that my ESPN Plus was lagging on TV because... I have my Amazon Alexa right underneath it going off the same Wi-Fi. Everything was working. My other streaming services were working. So I, I, I explained to them. And they could, they actually know your internet speed, which is a bit interesting. Some people may uh, find that as an invasion of privacy. But uh, hey, uh, to each their own on that. Uh, listen, um, I, I, I ended up getting a refund. I, I mean, after having to explain to them, look, my Wi-Fi was perfect. This was certainly on your end. And they were trying to play this card of, oh, hey, we no one else was calling in about complaints. I'm like, sir, I saw the tweets that night. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I take that back. We did have issues, actually, that night. I'm like, okay, so you're you're admitting it. So after a long conversation with, uh, with talking to the guy who answered the phone, I ended up finally getting a refund for that. Yeah, yeah, listen, I'm not one of those people that, like, contacts managers or whatever, but... His whole point to me was, you got to check on your Wi-Fi. Even though my Wi-Fi was up to speed, he says ESPN Plus, the reason I struggled with it is because ESPN Plus requires a higher internet speed. Okay, here's what's going to happen. And it's going to happen. People are going to have watch the Chiefs and Chargers on Prime, and it's going to be the first game ever exclusively on Prime. Prime has stream games before, but not exclusively. So a lot of people are going to be watching. And when a lot of people are watching, shit can go wrong. Things can crash. This happened uh, about a year ago when Conor McGregor was fighting on one of the UFC pay-per-views. Obviously with McGregor, a lot of people are going to be ordering it. And the... Uh, the streaming service ESPN plus crashed to the point where fans pretty much missed the first two and a half fights on the main card. So we got to have a conversation about this because if sports are all going to be moving towards streaming and listen, mark my words, I don't know if it happens within the next 10 years or if it happens in this decade, pretty much it's going to happen. We're going to see every NFL game on a streaming service. You're not going to see them on CBS. You're not going to see them on Fox. You will see them on the platforms. So you'll see still see the same broadcasters. So, for instance, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, they'll still broadcast the game, except it's going to be streaming on Paramount+, Plus, which is under the CBS umbrella. It's with CBS, MTV, uh BET, uh, Nickelodeon, all those networks are, are under Paramount. Uh, so, for instance, uh, I don't uh, Kevin Burkhart, and I don't know who his color guy is. Uh, they could be streaming on Fox Sports Go or whatever streaming service Fox can come up with in the future. So, CBS has Paramount Plus. Fox has Fox Sports Go. 
uh, NBC has Peacock, and ESPN has ESPN+. Plus. So all those four networks that broadcast NFL games, they all already have their own streaming service. So be ready for it, people. We're moving in that direction, whether we like it or not. The real conversation needs to be, look, you got to make it affordable because fans don't want to miss their teams. And I don't think that'll be the worst part about it, but I think the worst part will really be the different internet connections that people are trying to hook up and try to basically fight around with because, yeah, we know Wi-Fi. It can go in and out sometimes. But if we really want to see our teams, we don't want to miss a single second. None of us do. None of us do. So it's one of those situations where the NFL and all these streaming services out there, they need to figure this kind of stuff out because with Netflix and Hulu and Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, they're not streaming live content. I mean, yes, there is Hulu Live and Paramount Plus Live, but a lot of their shows are not streaming live. Now with ESPN Plus, you're going to have a lot of people watching that Broncos game. I hope I'm wrong, but I have a feeling at some point they'll crash because a lot of people are going to want to watch that game. A lot of people are going to be tuning in. It'll probably be probably be the most viewed uh, streamed event on ESPN Plus to date on October the 30th. So I hope ESPN Plus is ready for that because that 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 issue is possible, hundred percent possible. So I, I don't have the answers to these things. Look, I'm not the best with this kind of technology. Uh, I even struggle with it sometimes. I mentioned my experience with ESPN Plus, uh, and specifically the last. I could, I did not see more than a grand total of ten minutes of that event, um, and my Wi-Fi was was pretty good. I reset it multiple times, as well as the boosters in, in the home that I have. So that was a very frustrating experience. These experiences are going to happen a lot. And by the way, mark my words. I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime. But the Super Bowl will one day be broadcast only on streaming service. I shouldn't even say broadcast. It's going to be streaming online. It's not going to be broadcasted. I mean, that word's going to go away too eventually. Listen, some people were commenting on the Facebook page saying that, you know, exclusive streaming is a bad thing. Is it really? I don't know. Uh, I had Wes Bergman on my podcast earlier this year. Wes Bergman, who was on MTV's uh, The Real World Austin, and he's done many seasons of The Challenge. He's won the show twice. Um, Cool news about him. He's actually going to be on All-Stars 3. And All-Stars, they're basically, it's basically The Challenge. And they're getting contestants, like old school contestants from from decades ago, from the 90s, who were on The Challenge. Um, They're bringing them back to do All-Stars. So so this is going to be their third season of All-Stars. The cool thing about All-Stars is the contestants on there, they're cursing and they're, I mean, they're not censoring it. There's no blurring things out. Disney Plus, uh, they had one of the more popular shows in The Mandalorian. And I know people are always talking about, oh, Netflix and Disney Plus and uh, boycott them because they're uh, woke or whatever. Um, do you hear about the people raving about these shows like The Mandalorian and all these Marvel shows like Hawkeye, WandaVision, Moon Knight? Uh, and on the Netflix side, you had Squid Games. That was probably one of the biggest hits 
on Netflix. Stranger Things, another big one. I mean, Netflix has a lot of exclusive content that people love. So, and I said this a few weeks ago when that story came up. Those are not going away anytime soon. So, we're already seeing people get into exclusive streaming content. Streaming live sporting events exclusively. Yeah, that's a new thing and it's going to take some time for people to adjust to. Alright, I said enough about that. So, I'll let you guys respond to uh, that however uh, you want to on Facebook and Twitter. A lot of you guys have already been uh, talking about this, so feel free to join in on the conversation. Never too late to uh, be a part of it. Uh, real quickly, I want to talk about Ryan Tannehill and then uh, chat about the UFC before we uh, sign off here. Ryan Tannehill made some comments that uh, got a lot of attention. So the, uh, the, the Titans drafted quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty in round three, and Tannehill was asked about p- potentially mentoring him. Ryan Tannehill said that it is not his job to mentor Malik Willis. Well, look. Um, I'm not too outraged by this comment. A lot of people are comparing this to the Alex Smith situation where Alex Smith was, you know, obviously very mature about it, even though he admitted in the, um, in the documentary, the, um, project 11 documentary, he was bummed out about the whole situation. It wasn't anyone would, but, uh, he never made comments like this, but here's the difference. The second Mahomes was drafted, everybody knew what was going on, including the players. And it got out pretty quickly with the fans and the media that Patrick Mahomes would serve as a backup during his rookie year and that Alex Smith was still going to be the starter. That was not lost in translation. They, the Chiefs made that very clear from the get-go. And they made it clear to Alex Smith before then. Matt Castle, when he was with the Chiefs in 2012, he was fully aware that the Chiefs were going after Peyton Manning, which was obviously a, a crazy offseason that year, biggest free agent ever in NFL history. Uh, that obviously changed with Tom Brady, of course, but at the time, we'd never seen anything like that. Um, maybe Joe Montana, but that's about it. Anyway, um, the, the whole point is this with Tannehill. Tannehill, in that same press conference, he talked about how he needed therapy because he was in a very dark place after the playoff loss, which was tough because the the Titans were doing so great without Derrick Henry, and they weren't sure if he was ever going to come back for the season, and he eventually did for the playoffs. Uh, And unfortunately, the the Titans could not get the job done, even though they were the number one seed, and getting Derrick Henry back. Um, Tannehill threw three picks in that game on on his first pass and also on his last pass of the game. And a lot of people forget about this too. Even though Tannehill had a bad game with those three picks, he's actually the reason why the Titans were able to tie things up in that game. If I recall correctly, the Bengals were up by 10 at halftime and the Titans tied it and the Bengals did not score until, what, two or three seconds left where they had a game-winning field goal. Um, so Tannehill still was a big part of the reason why the Titans even had a chance at the end of that one. So it was kind of a weird mix, uh, from Ryan Tannehill in that game. Do I agree with what he said? No. Am I totally outraged by it? Um, I don't think it's, I, I, I'd be maybe a little more upset if this was, you know, someone on, on the Chiefs saying something like this. Now I know the Chiefs would not be in this position because they have their quarterback there. It's all concrete, straight and done. And, and there's no need to get into it. Um, but I I don't know. 
I struggled to be upset with this. I know LaShawn McCoy called him out. Kurt Warner tweeted, hey, you know, if a quarterback out there is not getting uh, advice from their veteran leaders, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I, I know he wrote a, a, a post like that on social media. I still think this is very different from the whole Alex Smith situation. Yeah, he's had a roller coaster career like Alex Smith. I mean, not to the same magnitude as Alex Smith's. We all know about that. He's had a crazy up and down uh, NFL career, or he did, I should say, because he's retired now. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm just not too upset about what he said, I guess. Uh, it's not the worst thing that's ever been said by an NFL player or an athlete in general. Should he have said that? No. Don't get me wrong, no. Because now there's a little rift in the locker room because... You made this comment and the whole world is talking about it. So I would imagine if it hasn't been done already, there's going to be some sort of damage control from either Vrabel, the PR staff, or maybe Tannehill himself. I don't know. Maybe Tannehill's agent. Who knows? Uh, UFC 274 this weekend. Great card on hand. Donald Cerrone, a legend in the sport, uh, fighting another legend. And Joe Lazon, who hasn't fought in quite some time. So I'm very intrigued by this. Cerrone's on a big uh, slippery slope right now. I don't know if this is supposed to be him to bounce back, but they're uh, they're giving him the uh, the chance to do so to, to do so in this uh, in this uh, fight here to open up the main card. Shogun versus Ovin Sampru. OSP, man, he's a talented fighter. But ever since he was picked to replace DC in that uh, main event against John Jones, he's been six and nine since then. So. He needs, to, he needs to pick it up a bit. Uh, uh, oh, man, this fight. Oh, holy shit. Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. Chandler, a former Missouri wrestler, former Missouri Tiger. That's going to be a good one here. Tony Ferguson, who's just an insane fighter. This one, one of my favorite fighters, Thug Rose Nami Yunus against Carla Esparza. These two fought in 2014 for the inaugural strawweight belt. And Carla Esparza won that. Both are much different fighters, obviously. Thug Rose a far different fighter now than she was back then. Uh, and now she's going to be the uh, the champion in this one. So going to be very interesting to see how that pans out. I'm going Thug Rose in that one. I'm picking, I'll pick Cerrone to bounce back because Lazan, Joe Lozon has been, uh, he's been off duty for a long time. I think OSP is going to win. I'm, man, I, I love Tony Ferguson. I also love Michael Chandler. I have no idea who I even want to win. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Tony Ferguson just because I hope he bounces out of that skid. I know that would lead to a three fight skid for Chandler though. That you never want to see. I'm going to go with Thug Rose. I think she's going to find a way to finish the fight in the second or third round. Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. Oliveira has quietly won 10 in a row. And I say quietly because this is a guy who is not getting much hype. Even though he's the lightweight champion, no one's really talking about him. People always talk about his opponents, like Michael Chandler last time out, and now Justin Gaethje. I mean, these are guys who always get more coverage than Oliveira. I'm going to go with Justin Gaethje in this one. I think he's going to find a way to bounce back. And uh, make up for his uh, title loss against Khabib, or Habib, I should say. And he'll be crowned lightweight champion. By the way, this lightweight division is crowded. Islam Makhachev, Benil Daryush, uh, those two guys still got to fight. Benil's got to recover, of course. Chandler and Ferguson, we'll see who wins that one on the same night. Dustin Poirier, RDA, uh, Dan Hooker, Conor McGregor, I'll, I'll even include, even though he's been uh, struggling lately. Hooker and McGregor... Um, Hooker fought at featherweight in his last fight. McGregor 
It looks like he may be fighting at welterweight. Listen, they're going to give him a title shot regardless, even though he's lost two in a row. Uh, but hey, I mean, he's still part of the lightweight division, and he, you know he's a big name. That's a very crowded uh, division, the lightweight division in the UFC. Uh, real quickly, I want to talk about something that happened uh, front row at an NBA game. Jack Harlow, I did not know who he was, and I guess the referees in this game had no idea who he was either. He was sitting courtside, and I guess he was messing with a camera woman's uh, camera. Uh, listen, these cameras are huge. There are settings and controls all over camera. Uh, these cameras. To the left, to the right, behind the camera, in front of the camera, all sorts of uh, buttons, uh, knobs you can you can mess with. Jack Harlow was he kept turning on. I, I think it was the grain, which is definitely going to fuck up things on the camera. I was not a fan of this. Listen, as someone who works with camera equipment and does video editing uh, and all this kind of stuff, I'm not a fan of that stuff, man. How would you like it if somebody was messing with your uh, your audio? During one of your concerts. Yeah, you wouldn't like that. Uh, I was not a big fan of this at all. Nobody likes it when someone is bothering them at work. When they're trying to focus. So why do it to a camera woman? And again, as someone who used to work in media production. I I have a strong stance on on this whole thing. Uh, Listen, if you want to be funny and and record yourself. do it. go, Go bother the mascot, okay? They're there to have fun with the fans. Not the camera person. Leave them alone. If you really want to be on camera, just just tell the camera person, hey, at some point, whenever you put fans on the screen, show me. They'll do it. Um, but don't mess with their camera settings. Uh, the directors notice it, and that irritates them. And they don't. And then the camera person's kind of in the dark, and they're doing it pretty discreetly too. Like the camera person's obviously focusing on the action on the court. I mean, they're locked in, so they have no idea someone behind them is messing with the uh, the the far back of, of the of the camera. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. I felt the need to really mention that on here. All right, last quick thing I want to mention. Uh, So some politics here. Get ready. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she obviously had her hearing uh, talking about what happened on January the 6th. 90% of the things she was asked about, she said she didn't recall or had no clue about. Listen, it's not like they just woke her up that morning and said, hey, you got to answer some questions here. Come on, get up, get dressed, let's go. No, she knew way in advance about this, okay? She showed up completely unprepared. And here's my point about this, and I don't care what you, where you stand politically. If you are a politician, and let's be honest here, politicians love calling out politicians from the other side. They love calling them out and pointing out things that they did that they don't approve of, okay? With... Marjorie Taylor Greene, she did not recall half the things she said. And she made some strong accusations that she suddenly does not recall. And they put video clips. And in fact, there was one moment where um, she was called about a a certain comment she made. And she said she didn't recall them. And so the uh, prosecutor asking all these questions, uh, he had evidence ready. And he goes, okay, hey, let's put this clip up on the, on the, uh, projector screen. And as he called for that, she goes, Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember these things now. It's like, wait, you just said you didn't remember, which is it? Do you really remember? Or do you not? Um, 
she's play obviously she's playing a game politicians do that but if you're really going to go there and say you don't recall the things you said and making strong statements too by the way these aren't it wasn't like hey do you remember you know what you ordered at McDonald's you know 12 years ago you, you know it wasn't those kinds of questions these are some strong statements during specific events big events that were taking place being made if you can't recall that and listen all politicians suck you're seeing that the past six years and even more before that, long before that, but more so now. But listen, don't pretend like you don't know what you said. I mean, can we agree on that? I don't care if you're red or blue or if you're like me where you don't care about any of them and you're a free thinker. Can we just be honest that if you really cannot recall certain things, if you're going to say that publicly, then you honestly should not be in a uh, in a position in any political position. You really shouldn't. Imagine if an attorney was constantly told they don't remember certain things. A lot of people would be pretty upset at that attorney. Okay. Think if um, Andy Reid, you know, and obviously a very simplistic example here because sports are not a serious matter. But think of Andy Reid if he did not remember certain plays after a game. It's like, wait, you're the head coach. You're calling, you're literally the play caller. How do you not remember some of these plays? I mean, coaches remember these things better than we honestly think. Even though there are a lot of plays that happen in a game, they remember these things better than uh, than a lot of us would, would honestly think. So, yeah, I, I had to really bring that up. Uh, you know, I'm not for one side or the other. I think b- both are, are terrible and have been the past few years. Um... But yeah, you can't go out there and just say you don't remember these things and expect to ever be taken seriously again. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, they're politicians, but people are taking them seriously now. People are treating politicians like they're some sports teams. People are strongly for one side, and they'll support everyone if there's an R by their name or a D by their name just because. That's it. That's all. That's the, that's the only qualification you need. Now, you just got to be you know with a crowd that people agrees with. I don't know. What are we doing here? I mean, come on. Who are you fooling? Oh, not me. That's for sure. Uh, But unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are fooled by that. Unfortunately. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of Farscast. My name is Farz Vasugi, and big thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of Farscast. Please use the promo code Farzine20. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Again, the promo code Farzine20 at Manscaped.com. Facebook.com slash Farzine That is the Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. We'll be doing some more live streams. A lot of you guys were calling for that last week when we did the live stream. So I'll try to do more of those once a week. Big thanks to all of you on the Facebook page for the live streams. For those of you who showed up for the live streams or commenting and engaging on any of the other posts. We hit uh, more than a million engagements in the last seven days for the draft and post-draft. And that's because of you guys. So big thanks to you guys. Shout out to you guys. I appreciate you guys doing that. Please be sure you support the podcast. Support me using the promo code farzy 20 at manscaped.com. Other than that, I've got nothing else to talk about. I will talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend.